Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Blazing Powers is brought to you by GameTime, your new go-to app for the best deals of last-minute tickets. Did you know Blackhawks tickets tend to drop right before the game starts? GameTime tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, then shows you all the best last-minute deals with prices up to 60% off. More than 12 million fans have downloaded the GameTime app and discovered the fastest, easiest way to get into the game. You know, personally, I when I get on the site, I, I love how you can see the panoramic views. You can see where exactly where you're sitting. Uh, you know what sort of view you're going to have when you have the tickets, and when you get there, it, it's 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 what they sell you. So it's uh, it's easy to see where you're going to sit and and how the, it's going to look where you sit. So uh, so go ahead to the App Store or Play Store now to download Game Game Time and score awesome deals on last minute tickets. It's not about me. I'm only here for a minute And I know that I can't fix it I can help even just a little bit Won't you let me try Hello and welcome to the latest Laz and Powers podcast here on The Athletic. I am joined by Scott Powers and I'm Mark Lazarus. Uh, Scott, you just got back from Southern California where I hear it was nicer than here in Chicago. Um... <laughs> Blackhawks got three out of four points against the Kings and Ducks. Uh, what have you seen? Anything to give you optimism coming out of those two games? Yeah, it, it's weird because when you phrase it that way, three out of four points, like it doesn't, it didn't feel like that way in, in <laughs> total. You know, like you, uh, you had the Ducks game, and um, yeah, and, and then well, you had the Kings game first, and they they just you know they give up a lot of shots again, and um, they fight back, and you know they they still they score a six on five goal to send it to overtime, and then. Uh, Ducks, they you know, they build a lead and they 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 give up the lead and then have to go into overtime and they win in overtime and obviously anything can kind of kind of happen overtime. Um, but yeah, yeah, I don't know. It it it, it I guess from an overall standpoint, they got to be happy with three out of four points. And if somehow you pull out a win in San Jose, it looks like a pretty good road trip. But it doesn't necessarily feel like this team's moving in a really positive direction. I guess it's better than it had been, especially when you. When you think back in that national national game, but um, you know, I thought the top line, you know, Taves is starting to play better. You know, playing him with Sad is, you know, as his we've talked about a lot made sense. You know, playing to Brinkett, Stroman, Kane's working. Um, Shocking! I, I can't believe that that's working. <laughs> um, Who thought? I, I, I think uh, you know, Boquist and Gustafson both in the lineup is interesting. It, it works against the Ducks. You know, they don't create too much offensively. Whether it work against uh, Nashville when Nashville comes through Chicago next week, I don't know. Um, but I, I think they're able to create, 
you know, a positive vibe at least for a few days. And I, I think if, uh, you know, if they lose in regulation both those games or lose in overtime even yesterday, I, I think there's a whole different feeling right now. Yeah, what cracked me up, I was watching the game, the Ducks game uh, from my living room, and I'm watching the broadcast, and the end of the second period, Pat Foley gets all excited. And big, big deal here, the Blackhawks have only allowed 25 shots on goal through two periods. That's like a 37-shot pace. That's not very good. <laughs> but after giving up 50 every game, it feels like this big, tremendous victory. So, yeah, the, the, the standard has changed a little bit around here. But, yeah, winning, winning begets winning. Everybody knows that confidence plays a role in this. Momentum plays a role in this. Hockey players seem to feel that more than anybody else. Uh, Boquist is the interesting thing here. It, it, it feels like he was brought up in some kind of almost desperation move to just kind of inject some life into these guys, get the fans excited. Uh, but after hearing how poorly he was playing in Rockford, he looked fine. In the NHL, is it possible the NHL? Someone asked this on Twitter here. Uh, I already forgot the person's name, and we're too. Sh it's Brandon. And uh, is it possible that the NHL style suits him better than the dump and chase style of the AHL? Well, I, I think offensively, yeah. I think playing with high end guys. I mean, we we see this often that uh, players that are skilled often play better. You know, I, I think we've seen. Uh, you know, plenty of guys who go down in the American League and they, they, they just aren't the same players. You know, like an Alexander 410 makes sense. You know, like at the NHL level, like he's he's been a stud at times, you know. Uh, down in Rockford, he, he's, he's struggled it, you know, like he, he's not as relevant. And um, I think the way Boquist plays, you know, that he, he's very creative and he's, he's aggressive and, you know, playing with other, you know, high-ended players is going to help him. Um, I think the question is still defensively because, uh, it's, you know, there's a possibility being exposed more against high-end players. You know, I, I think, um, you know, I, I think these are two games where he held his own, and I, and I think Duncan Keith's got his back, and that helps. Um, but let's see what happens, you know, when they play in Nashville or someone. You know, I, um, you know, Gustafson certainly had some problems around the net against Nashville, and, and part of it for Boquist has just, just been awareness, you know. And, um, I, I think, you know, it's, it's a small sample size. Um, and he's looked good, and he's looked fine, and if he can play like that and provide goals and offense and, you know, you don't worry so much and, and you know, occasionally he's going to have some issues. But um, let's see as the sample size grows and, and, and whether – um, you know, whether Gustafson can maintain this too, I, you know, I, I think Anaheim was a good game for the Blackhawks to get him back in the lineup and play those two guys together because um, the Ducks don't create a lot of chances. And um, it'll be interesting as the teams, uh, you know, as they face some teams that do, you know, you know, with uh, Toronto coming up and Nashville. and. Oh, my um, God. Have you looked at the schedule coming up? After the San Jose game on Tuesday, they got seven straight games against teams in the playoffs right now. Followed by Tampa Bay, who's not in the playoffs, but come on, they're Tampa Bay. Yeah. Then you got a home and home with Dallas. All right. Then you got a home and home with Colorado, who might be the best team in the conference. And then you got St. Louis. Then you got Boston. I mean, they got Vegas again the following week. This schedule is murder for the next five or six weeks. And boy, they're going to have to get their act together like hardcore to be able to stay uh, just in the mix, even within striking range over these next several weeks. Yeah, and, I, and I, I wrote that column about how these next 10 days were important, and I, I think to get some points these last two games were, were big, and, and certainly if you can <clears throat> finish this uh, road trip strong, then it's, it's it looks a little bit better. But, yeah, it's going to get a lot tougher, and you're still without Connor Murphy for at least a week plus, and I think, uh, you know, defensively that you still have some questions. And, um, you know, the, the, again, the one positive is that the way that Robin Leonard's playing, I mean, he's – uh, arguably one of the best goalies in the league right now, and he just, you know, game after game, and even though he's facing, you know, 40 shots on a lot of nights, he's, he's keeping them in game, keeping them in games, and even last night, or, you know, I even think back to uh, the game before that, 
um, where, where Crawford comes out, you know, for that five minute stretch, Leonard comes in against a penalty kill. And I, I think the first or second shot he faced was just a point blank shot from the, the circle. And he, and he makes a glove save and, um, he, he's just been huge. And, you know, that was such a late signing and probably so unexpected for the Blackhawks, but it's, it's really made all the difference in the world right now. 40 shots. That's an easy night for him. You're talking 50 <laughs> shots. Some of these games, I, so I, you know, I'm, I'm looking at the, the the special teams, and obviously a team like the Blackhawks, who's not going to win a lot of one nothing games, needs to be able to score on the on the power play. And you know, the penalty kill has come around significantly. It's going to be a lot like that year where they gave up a ton early on. I can't even remember who was last year or the year before, and then kind of righted oh, yeah. the ship. But no matter what, no matter what they did the rest of the year, they were going to have like a bottom five penalty kill. This year's kind of looking like that, but it's been pretty solid. But the power play, I mean, when you put a Boquist out there and you have, I mean, it's pretty cool if you're a Blackhawks fan, as bad as things are right now, to see a power play unit with Boquist, a number eight overall pick, Nylander, a number eight overall pick, Doc, a number three overall pick. You've got uh, uh, Alex, you know, uh, what's his name, uh, Dylan Strom on the other unit, a number three overall pick. And all these guys are 21, 22, 18, 19 years old. All of a sudden you look at these guys like, all right, well, I can see what they're doing. Maybe they're, you know... They're getting these guys' feet wet, and, and, and there's some things to look, be excited about toward the future here. But the timing is still so bad for them to be breaking these guys in, and I don't think Boquist is going to be here all season unless he's spectacular. I, I think we're in agreement there. But uh, it's just like a, it's like a taste of it, but at the same time, you know that when these guys are ready to take over, the old core is going to be a really old core and falling apart, and I'm just not sure the windows are going to line up right now. Yeah, it's it's... Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know. You know, like you, you definitely see how Doc helps his team out and Bullcliff's upside and and Nylander's better than better than I expected. Um, oh, certainly. You know, I, I still wonder if you know. I mean, they could really use a young defenseman like Yokihara right now. A right-handed so I, shot, no less. Yeah. So yeah, I, I, yeah. I don't know if it, it's going to work out. You know, I, you know, getting off this start certainly doesn't help, and Murphy's injury doesn't help, and. Um, they're 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 assured of not having a better record than when Joel Quinville was fired last year, you know. And I think the one difference, and and you know, I mentioned it today in today's story about the youth players, is that last year you didn't have Doc Boquist and um, and Nylander in your lineup. You had Yoki Haru, but you know now now they have Strom and 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 Debrinket too. I mean, you have a lot of guys that are younger, and you can probably point to the future a little bit more than you could last season, where you you were talking about Bodan and Yoki Haru and Mitchell and. And all these guys, but they they were still you know in junior or, or or in college or whatever. And these guys now you guys have you have guys finally in the NHL, and whether or not they're ready or, or this is best for development will be you know I guess we'll still see. But um, you know I think you know that you got to have guys in the lineup who are, who are young and exciting and certainly high picks. And the Blackhawks haven't been afraid to throw them in for whatever reason. And it's uh, it it is exciting. You know we'll see what the uh, the consequences of the results will be this season. Um, and, and whether it leads to success, but it, it is, uh, I guess when you, Blackhawks have talked a lot about hope in the future in recent years, and I think finally um, you're seeing it on the ice at the NHL level. Yeah, I'm still getting used to the new gig here, not not being at every game. For six years, I was at every game home and road. I, I kind of lose touch with the team. I haven't been around them for a while. The, things were pretty down and, and despondent the last I saw with them. Coming off those two games, again, not great games, but they got three out of four. Did you sense the mood lifting in any way? Was the, the morale getting any better in that room? Not, not after the Kings game. Taves was pretty hard after the, the Kings game. You know, he didn't want to talk about, you know, getting the point. Um, he he knew what how they played and what they deserved. I think the Ducks, they felt a lot better. Um, you know, certainly giving up the, the two-goal lead and, you know, having that lead for much of the game, and th- that stung, but to, to win it at least... 
Um, you know, I, I don't think they're they're really caring about giving up the one point now, especially to a uh, you know a team in a different division. But um, yeah, I, I think if that game goes the other way in overtime, you know, I, I think there's a different feeling. But you know, the fact they've scored in the power play, I think the top line's playing better. Taves certainly looks like he's got a little bit more jump and. You know, I, I, he doubled his points in the last two games of, from from the whole season. So I, I think the fact that he's playing well and, and the pairings seem like they make a little bit more sense. I think Dahan and Seabrook have provided some stability there. And, um, you know, you, you, you put Gustafson and Boquist out there and it wasn't a disaster. And, um, you know, you got all these young kids playing well. I, I, yeah, I think, you know, I, I think especially at the Ducks game, you know, it, it's weird how one game we're, we're kind of sort of focusing it on because bigger picture, it's, it's still... Um, yeah, there's a lot of reasons to be pessimistic about this, and you know, writing for tomorrow about uh, why there's some optimism and pessimism. But it's uh, the numbers still suggest that this Blackhawks team is not playing much different than last season. You know, they're uh, among the last in the league in shots against and high danger chances and scoring chances, and and the fact the offense has dried up, or at least last season that was was carrying them. I, I think there are a lot of concerns, and and the goalies. Um, even you know, just I guess the same thing. Where, where just a few years ago, where Crawford was kind of just carrying this team, and now it's Leonard. Um, so it it's it it feels and looks different than um, because of the Ducks win. But there are a lot of reasons for concern, especially with that schedule, like you said. Yeah, and it's amazing how you know three on three overtime, which while we all love it, isn't really hockey, can so dramatically affect the way you look at a game. I mean, these are two overtime games in Southern California, and if you know they get the lucky bounce or get the the possession the right way and the odd man rush. In both the games, things are looking great. If they get the bad break both times, things are a disaster. Instead, they split, and it's like it's pretty good. It's just the the, the, the freakiness of three-on-three of three overtime. It, it, you know, we should be able to objectively separate that from the rest of the game, but it doesn't matter. if you're Like you said, Taze was really pissed after that Kings game because they lost. And even though they lost in a, a gimmicky three-on-three three thing, it's still a loss, and, and, and it seems to weigh on the team more than, than a, a, you know, a, a tie for lack of a better term would have well you know you and i were uh, mark and i uh, will communicate multiple times a day through slack and one of the things that we mentioned earlier was that uh, they have two regulation wins and six regulation losses so a lot of a lot of games are still being decided you know i i think that was their fifth or sixth you know one goal game so uh there's still games that are really close you know i obviously only have two regulation wins through 13 uh, doesn't sound too promising, but to have six losses, you know, it's um, yeah, there's the other side of the coin too. So, yeah, well, yeah, remember how last remember how last season started? They started off like six two and something or other, but it was like, like eight overtime games in a row to start. What it was? Uh, yeah, anyway, I got scheduled here. One, two, three, four, five. The first five games were all overtime games. So it, it's just a matter of the way the puck bounces in that gimmicky three on three. There was a couple. I was I think it was the Predators the year that they that they swept the Blackhawks. They were in eighth place that year because they had like 14 overtime losses. If you actually took out overtime and had, you know, regulation, they were one of the best teams in hockey. It's just the flukiness of three-on-three overtime. It, it, it plays such a big role in determining the standings. It does. It does. It's, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm curious now to see how the San Jose game uh, it plays out. You know, San Jose obviously is under, underperformed, and um, I nearly lost my mic there. Um, <laughs> but... Uh, yeah, they're yeah dead but they, last have some, in the they have some offensive pop, and um, yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting how this the road trip ends because I think how everyone feels about this team will, and then coming back to the United Center, how one game to sort of affect that mood again. And we're gonna have to see what how how 
how Robin Leonard takes the net here or not. It's because look, Corey Crawford has not been bad by any stretch. I think you had the stat where it's his five on five numbers are almost equal to Leonard, but he's getting crushed on the power play. Um, so it, it'll be interesting because Leonard is clearly the superior goalie right now, and the team is really confident with him back there and plays a little looser with him back there. Where not looser in a bad way, but like they're not uptight and freaking out about every little thing, so they can go play their own game offensively. Uh, they got, they got, they don't have a lot of back-to-back games coming up here. It's a lot of every other day. There's no reason if this were a pre, a, a, an earlier year, Corey Crawford would get almost every one of these games except for the two Sunday games, the seconds of a back-to-back. Robin Leonard should probably get that same amount of starts in this stretch, but you know, Colleton c- kind of wants to alternate them and keep them fresh. And you know, do you have to worry about Crawford, uh, Crawford's ego in any way? Uh, because he's been the number one guy for so long and he's never really been a backup in the NHL. That's going to continue being a storyline as we play this out because he's never been in that situation before and is he going to be willing to accept it in a contract year? I, I think that's interesting. And then, you know, the one thing that we've talked about with Seabrook and especially with them healthy scratching him, um, and, and now the way that Seabrook reacted when he did for two games, like, can you go back to that well ever again this season? Like, like it's uh, you know Murphy comes back and what if Bokus is playing well and Gustafson gets his groove back and like like it becomes a tougher decision who stays in the lineup and you know we'll see if the Han Seabrook you know pairing can stay stable but it's I think Crawford can handle it well just because goalies are are kind of accustomed to it sort of sort of uh, you you can say pretty easily you know based on what happens on the ice whether a guy's playing well or not and who deserves to start but the way that I mean Seabrook's analytics said he wasn't you know that he that he wasn't playing that well and he he differed with those and said he felt like he was playing well and he can give more to this team and the way that he sort of made a big deal out of it um regardless of how he's playing it's gonna be an issue again if you ever decide a healthy scratch and whether he deserves it or not and I wonder if that's somewhere in the back of Colton's head too that this was this was a bit of a disaster the first time around and I, I don't think it gets any easier if they decide to go down that well again no, and in the past, Connor Murphy's been a healthy scratch from time to time when when they've had to make some kind of move to alleviate that. You can't do that now. He's your best guy. So you'd really are you going to scratch an Oli Mata? Are you going to scratch? I mean, Gustafson is obviously scratchable, but at some point, yeah. I mean, can you go back to that? Well, that's a good question because it if you did it the one game, it would have been all right, and you could do it one time down the road again. But doing it two games in a row, it became a thing. And now, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see if he's willing to go back to that, knowing the backlash he got for it. One of the things I was looking at today when I was looking through the stats was uh, uh, Corey, um, I, I can't even pronounce his last name, Snyder. Corey Snyder. Snyder. <laughs> uh he, he tracks the, the exits and stuff, and one of the numbers that kind of popped out was the, the percent of failed exits the Blackhawks have, and it was something that we saw in the Kings game where they just – um, it wasn't so much, like, there were certainly sports where they couldn't defend and get the puck, but it was also just getting the puck and not getting out of the zone, and then all of a sudden you get stuck or you're back in and, and those shifts become long. I mean, Boquist and Keith had, I mean, I, I don't remember ever seeing a three-minute shift before. It's been a long time. But, I mean, they were on the ice for three consecutive minutes, and most of it's been in the defensive zone. And um, and some of the, yeah, even like Murphy's numbers aren't great exiting the zone sometimes on the, on the fails. And I, I think guys like Gustafson and Boquist, and the reason why they tried that yesterday is because those are guys who move the puck and, um, you know, can get it out. And, and Gustafson has a pretty good rate of uh, success on the exits too. So 
I, um, you know, Seabrook's passes passes don't always end up on on the right tape either. So I, I think those are all areas too where if if you're just getting stuck in your defensive zone and and if Gustafson and and Boquist are are reliable enough to be on the ice, those that those two guys make a lot of sense just driving offense because even this year I was looking at Gustafson's five on five numbers. I think he's been on the ice for 13 goals, four and seven against, and no other players near that. Like you know, there's certainly a bit of a roller coaster with him, but if he's ultimately generating off offense and pushing the puck forward and um, maybe not always ending up on a stat sheet himself with goals you know he doesn't score this year but if he's moving the offense and pushing it forward I, I think he's someone you have to have in your lineup because just because they don't have much of that in the whole the whole organization right now and these defensive issues obviously become less of a problem if Taves is going and Kane is going and I think uh, not surprisingly, we're seeing that Taves is better when he's got Brandon Sod on his line, and Kane is better when he's playing with the two guys he wants to play with, Debrinket and Strom. So I think there's some reason for mild, cautious optimism moving forward here, but they're going to have to get it together quick because, man, it is going to get tough coming up. Uh, hey, I know you need to get going. Uh, we have some scheduling issues today with you traveling from California. Uh, so this is a, a short version of the podcast today. We'll come back with a longer one on Thursday. Uh, any, any last thing you want to add? Uh, Don't feel obligated. No, I was just trying to think if I had any uh, <laughs> interesting tidbits. Uh, I, you know, I, I think the fact that Boak was scored last game, I don't know. I mean, you've had an 18 and 19-year-old uh, score in the last few weeks. And, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I think there is something exciting about that and um, whether it works for this season. But uh, I think the Blackhawks are set up in a pretty good shape with those guys. And the fact that Nylander... Um, like I think Nylander's come around even more so, and uh, it, it sort of feels like the Brinkett and Strom are these old guys, but they're still 21 and 22 <laughs> too. So it's it's strange how like Nylander, Doc, and and Boquist sort of hang out together, and, and certainly the Brinkett and Strom are a click, but it almost feels like those guys are much older when they're they're all pretty much the same age. So well, um, I got a story. I got a story coming out on Wednesday that's got uh, Patrick Kane, Alex Debrinket, and uh, Alex Nylander go into the movies together to see Joker. So oh, nice. Kane's always gravitated towards the younger guys. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't have... I have a bunch of stories I'm still working on, so I can't really tease anything until I actually make some progress. So I haven't seen the team in like 17 weeks, it feels like. So I got <laughs> I got an empty notebook, so I got to get to work this week. Oh, hey, Scott, before we go, I uh, wanted to mention this week on The Athletic, we're doing a deep dive into all things NHL culture. Our local and national hockey writers have great stories and everything from the league's biggest wine snobs, art collectors, trash talkers, a look at diversity in hockey, the culture of NHL nicknames, uh, and how players manage to practice and play while nursing a hangover, and much, much more. I got a story about uh, the way players socialize and you know what, what it's like on, the NHL, on, a, on a group text of an NHL team and who's uh, the loudest and who's the most annoying. And if you're a Blackhawks fan, you can probably guess who that's going to be. Uh, these stories give you a rare insight into the world of hockey off the ice and are a must-read for an NHL fan. So enjoy it all week. It's our Culture Blitz, and uh, we hope you enjoy it. Sounds all right, good. well, until next time, I am Mark Lazarus. I'm Scott Powers. See ya. Won't you let me try?